1: Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking money, invasion, and more. I try to beat conventional wisdom by just being simple, putting things in perspective for you as much as possible. I try to tell you, like, economic data that means something. You want to pay attention to FedEx. You want to pay attention to UPS stocks. They're transports, and if we're transporting things, that's a good thing. You want to pay attention to the train companies. If you were to listen to two or three conference calls a year, train companies are the ones you want to listen to. I get a lot out of UPS as well. Some ex-CEOs I dig. Some ex-mutual fund managers I dig. Some of them I don't. Like I don't put I don't have that guru in my mind that I have to go to on the mountain and I hope I'm not your Buddha even though I have a lovely little belly and I'll sit up on top of a mountain and I'll talk to you. But I'll talk to someone else who comes up right after you. So Jack Welch is one of those ex ears. I just I find annoying. And I don't know. Let's throw that out there. So I don't follow a lot of people on Twitter. I tend to follow artists on Twitter. And by artists, I mean porn stars. I mean, (laughs) no, no, artists. Book authors. It is what it is, okay? It is what it is. You can follow me on Twitter at Rob Blackshow. Twitter, Rob Blackshow. James Bond. New James Bond film comes out. James Bond films in the 70s and the 80s and the 90s and the 2000s. It just gets good to show you. There's not that much new out there. And when it comes to investing, there's not that much new, and yet we try to recycle it as if that's true. Um, hmm trying not to get all that infatuated 20 highest-grossing actors and director duos you keep hearing about like uh, Scarlett Johansson and Woody Allen you know the duos that bring in the big bucks clearly one of the biggest duos of all time had to be uh John Hughes and Anthony Michael Hall which is Humorous, when you think of Weird Science, The Breakfast Club, and Sixteen Candles. John Hughes and Molly Ringwald, pulling in $115 million a movie. Box office grosses for Pretty in Pink and other films. The Buy at Breakfast Club. Woody Allen, Mia Farrow. Woody Allen, Diane Keaton. Like, things are pretty predictable. It doesn't take that much to figure this stuff out. David Russell, Mark Wahlberg. I know you're saying, who's David Russell and Mark Wahlberg? You don't know who David Russell is? He did The Fighter. He did Three Kings. So, I don't know. Just again trying to show you that things are pretty easy in the world of money if you look for them. There's a fantastic, fantastic... um, ESPN documentary called Broke I've, I've talked about it recently I know and I really want you to see who had a lot of money and who lost it and how did they lose it when you see a van or Holyfield you have like 10,000 square foot house one man well he had like nine baby mamas one man 10,000 square feet one of the things I like about people under thirty is they're pretty practical now They don't need big and shiny. Now, they still think that things are going to end up well for them and it's all going to go to hell and life's going to ruin you and step on you and recycle you and chew through you. But if you ever look at professional athletes, they show us everything that we do wrong. Cars, girls, stupid business ideas, people we shouldn't trust financially, and they leave them high and dry. Those four things. You know, Mike Tyson, he probably lost 300 to $400 million in his life. He spent it all on things like pet tigers, mansions, and divorces. And what happens is, the, the tragedy about athletes is they're 20 years old when they make their money. And when I was 20, I wasn't as smart as I am today. But no one pulled Tyson aside and said three hundred, four hundred million. Really, you can't have a dynasty for your children. Curt Schilling, everything that he made in baseball, gone. He had he made over fifty million playing baseball. I think he played for the Orioles, Houston, uh, the Diamondbacks, and then Philly, Boston. I think that's about right. He had a couple. $30 $30 million contracts. And he owes $150 million. And you look at him and like, you're like, dude, you're a pitcher. You're white. You probably went to college. How do you, trust me, everyone could blow through money. And everyone gets into like, they, they think they're smarter than they are. And like, that's the thing that killed me when I came to the Bay Area 12 years ago. Was how many like real estate clubs, which I detest real estate clubs. It's too much of a cheerleading thing. Like, let's all get together and talk about great real estate. And oh, by the way, I'm the owner of the real estate club and I'm getting kickbacks and the agents are paying me to be here and blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't like that. So, uh, athletes make these dumb mistakes, but we laugh at them and then trust me. I know more people in the Bay Area who've lost money on real estate than made money on real estate. Michael Vick and his animal abuse cost him $130 million. Going to prison for an illegal dogfighting ring. Vick lost about $130 million. Now, we had his comeback, but he still has money issues to this day. Terrell Owens said he had millions of dollars. That was lost, stolen, or mismanaged. He lost $2 million on electric bingo investment. Now, wait, wait. Let's talk about this for a second. Let me put those three words together. Again, I like chewy fudge brownies as a phrase. Chewy fudge brownies. Those three words are just magic. Three words, electric bingo investment. Can I make that stuff up? Bingo? which for the record is a a great first date, but if you're doing it 10 years into the marriage, like something went wrong. If you take your sugar booger on a date to play bingo, she's going to marry you. She's going to be like, that's the coolest guy I've ever met in my life. And uh, you got to know, guys, let me teach you one quick thing, because I know my listeners are 99% guys. When you take your sugar booger to play bingo, like, it's one of those first dates that, like, it wows them. They're like, how did he come up with this cool idea? This is off the beaten path. This isn't going to a movie. But when the, the, the bingo caller calls B9, you say, amen. Because it has to do with cancer and B9. I know
2: what you're saying, you thought about this? Yes, I have.
1: This is me, Roberto Nagro, in the Wall Street Business Hour.
2: To Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio station.
1: Welcome in. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money investing, and more. Um, some interesting little side story. I've got a friend who runs a recycling business out of the city of Oakland. California Waste Solutions. His customers are nice Oakland residents. Oakland, California. Yesterday, he got a call from a panicked customer. A man who mistakenly placed his wife's hidden jewelry and Christmas money into the curbside recycling cart. I've probably done something like that in my lifetime. There would be a good show. Most valuable thing you've ever lost in your life. So CWS picks it up, puts it in the trash truck, recycling truck takes it off. So he calls up CWS and says, you know, who? Uh, well. So he calls the customer service, customer service. Basically, reroutes another truck to intercept that truck. Try to route it directly into a recycling plant. The truck held six tons of loose bottles, cans, jugs. Jugs, you say? Like 18th century Byzantine pottery? Probably. Newspapers, junk mail, cardboard. Fortunately, it's recycling and not trash. So the dude has to go down to the facility. He and five other workers for three hours have to sort through loose recyclables. Everyone totally committed to doing it. Found his wife's jewelry, found his wife's money. The exercise, the event, the concept, the not saying tough, you're not doing it on your own time and keeping it for yourself, It's kind of nice. It's a nice moment. It's appropriate during the holiday season, especially to say, you know, hey, someone slowed down and did the right thing. And I appreciate that. Oh, speaking of doing the right thing, get some New Year's Eve tickets to give away. Probably do that in the next segment or the segment after that. New Year's Eve on the aircraft carrier USS Hornet. It's a good place to go out and dance if dancing is your thing. Dancing is not my thing. You'll never, ever, ever, ever find me in a Walmart. You'll never, ever, never, ever, ever find me in a Radio Shack. And you probably won't find me dancing. Unless I'm really liquored up. Which tends to happen on occasion. It's the Andrew Sisters tribute performed by the singing Blue Stars. Free dance lessons by Jim Truesdale, who is a former Fred Astaire instructor. 7.30 to 1 a.m. USS Hornet New Year's Eve. If you're going to want free tickets, be ready, because I have free tickets to give away. And free means free, which is always a nice thing in my world. Let's take a look at the market numbers today. We have a slightly lower market. S p 500 down four. Nasdaq down seven. Dow down twenty three. Get go is going to buy Knight Capital for one point four billion dollars. White House is threatening a veto of Boehner John Boehner's Plan B plan. Will we? Won't we? Political exercise, no political exercise. A little frustrating. A little over a year ago, no one would have predicted that a pre-revenue company could have been acquired for a billion dollars. Or that startups in the middle of the country would have access to the internet a hundred times faster than the rest of us. Where the Groupon, once the world's fastest growing company with the highest value tech IPO, since that of Google, is essentially valued at nothing more than its assets right now. The world's tough to predict at times. Google put in fiber in Kansas City. And Kansas City has the fastest internet for the nation right now. It's interesting to throw stuff out there like, like Kansas City. I've been to Kansas City and I can tell you, holy shnikes. So looking at 2013, looking at the future, I read a lot of reports from companies like Gartner. One of the things that we're going to see going forward is more and more focus on marketing companies. There's so much data that exists right now. Marketers can now actually measure its efficacy. Is it it being efficient or not? I throw that out there in large part. We saw a story yesterday come out of Facebook and Instagram that when you upload photos... They get to do whatever they want with them. So let's say you upload your, a photo of your kid at Whistler skiing in the snow. They're going to be able to go to Whistler and say, how about, we, how about we sell you an ad that says, come to Whistler, enjoy the snow. Now, they're not going to be able to put your kid's name on it, but they're going to be able to put an ad in all of my friends that might know my kid or your kid. Let's say you put up a, a picture of you looking fat in a bikini in Hawaii. You're going to be able to go to Weight Watchers and say uh, hey, or two bikinis. Let's say this year you're skinny, last year you're fat. They're going to be able to go to Weight Watchers and say let's go before and after. They're going to be able to go to Hawaii and say hey look how sexy people are that are and then or they can go away and say, let's run an ad that says, look at fat people, and they're going to be able to place those ads on your friends' pages. Or even a national campaign. You might be part of a national campaign as a fat person. People freaked out about that. But target marketing is going to be a multi-billion dollar business. And it's coming. I'll even go one step further. What if Facebook asks you for permission? No, no, no. One step further, what if Facebook were to pay you to let them use your pictures in advertisements? You'd be like, honey, I got a job. I got a job, honey. I know I haven't been working for 10 years. You get the idea. You're listening Rob Black and your money on the Wall Street Business Network. your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. There's so many things you could do this time of year. You figure it out. Do something good. I've got a friend who kind of hits up her friends for money, 20 bucks, 100 bucks, whatever you have. Then she goes out and buys sweatshirts and, and blankets for the homeless. I think that's pretty sweet. You know, in my world, I'm able to raise a lot of money for charity. I teach children how to swim. Just, you know why? Because as a kid, it was the safest area in the world for me. It was the one part of the world where I was happy, I was fun, and I didn't have to deal with my dad. My dad was an alcoholic. He was tough. He wasn't miserable. Like, he didn't hit us. He was more the mental abuser than the physical abuser. And when you're an alcoholic, the mental abuse comes, like, when you're pretty buzzed. So there's only certain times a day where it never showed it itself. So do something good this year. It doesn't have to be during the holiday seasons. Do it this year. A friend of mine, Brian Cooley... Uh, who I'm inspired by, brought me to California 12 years ago, and one of the things he does is he takes a half day on every Friday. I take a half day on every Friday because of him. On my Fridays, I want to do something that's important for me, for my family, for my loved ones, for my friends, for my community. He goes to where in humane and he pets cats. I was like, "You've got to be kidding. I'm not, but that's not like the best you could do. But I was like, really? You're a top executive at CNET, now CBS, and you're petting cats. Yeah. I think it's incredibly noble because Marin Humane's got a zero kill tolerance. And one of the things you could do in your trust is you could set up your wealth to go to your children, all of it, or some of it can go to a charity. You have a charity by life insurance against you. There's a lot you can do. But he actually pets cats. And the idea, being is that to have a zero-kill policy, if a kid comes in and the cat scratches or a cat bites the kid, the, the cat has to go into, like, confinement for 30 days. So do something good. If there's one thing I could tell you is that it, it, it takes time, and time is money, and I know that. But also, it, it helps you network. Um, you know how many hot women, how many good-looking guys you meet when you do charitable work? So, say you're single, it's a great place to meet someone. Because you're meeting someone who's actually a decent person, who's taking the time to help their community. Um, if you're a business person, what do you think you talk about while you're petting a cat? Give something back this year. Figure out something that you can do that's nice. I teach kids to swim. And when I say teach kids, I'm not charging. And typically, you're talking about very low income families. Because, uh, again, for me, my childhood loved the pool. So, talking about predictions. About 2013, last hour, or last segment, excuse me, feels like an hour ago, I talked a little bit about how marketing is going to become much, much more targeted, how maybe companies like Facebook will pay you to let them take your pictures and your information and give it to marketers. I think you're going to see a 16-year-old kid become the next Mark Zuckerberg. What Zuckerberg did in college, which for the record yesterday, he announced he's giving away $500 million. I'm not going to cry over that. I'm impressed by that. You're going to see a 16-year-old kid, you're going to see at some point in time a high schooler get funding Maybe it'll be an Asian child. Maybe it'll be a European kid. Maybe it'll be an American. Kids are growing up natively online now. It's something natural for them to create a virtual world. You know, when I was a child, I tried to build my own skateboards and I tried to build my own walkie-talkies. Now they're doing something in a more virtual way. And for the record, I was an awful skateboarder. For those of you girls just swooned,
0: oh, he skateboards.
1: I was awful. I was in Santa Barbara recently. i watching a skateboarding park. I'm like, I can't do that. Couldn't do that. Couldn't do it. Um, More and more and more. It used to be you had to have a million users. A new prediction for 2013 is you have to have 10 million users. Funding is going to be very, very dry unless you do something absolutely massive. The tentacles of the social network are so deep in everyone's consciousness and brain and everyday life. It's possible that once you've built a company to go there, acquire customers for almost no money. Brands are being built faster and faster. So you got 10 million is the new million in the world of getting money. 10 years ago, there was a marketplace that basically was Walmart, Kmart, the discounting retail stores, Target. Didn't came in Another discount retail store, eBay, Amazon, Craigslist. It changed the, the, the whole idea of a marketplace. You can purchase almost anything from anyone with a click. Now you're going to start seeing new marketplaces crop up. And instead of marketplaces, it's going to be services. Teaching, cleaning, construction. They haven't been disrupted yet. They will be disrupted. The way Target, Walmart, Kmart got disrupted. Teaching, cleaning, construction. Companies such as Yelp could provide access to these services. Yelp can instantly overnight say something along the lines of, do you want to hire our highest rated service provider? Do you want to, and it could be a chef, it could be a construction worker, it could be a restaurant. So no company's gone after the purveyors of services. It's not really a safe environment yet. There's a couple that are trying Angie's List. You know, there's a a pretty good marketplace called Take Lessons. And would you pay top dollar to get the top uh, tutor for your kid? You probably would. <clears throat> if you were to hear other parents say things like, Emily I mean, taught my kid how to skate, I had had 10 tutors before that, or 10 skating instructors, and none of them worked. So there's a website called Take Lessons, it's a platform for users to find music teachers. Users enter their location, their instrument type, find instructors, take lessons, recommends a few teachers in the area. But the transaction doesn't end there. All payment is made over the site, so both users and providers feel pretty comfortable. And thus, you know, the problem with this is going to be the musician's going to show up, teach your kid and say, you know what, let's cut take lessons out of it. Let's set up our own little relationship. Right? But let's say you have a rodent. Which, for the record, everyone knows I've been haunted by a raccoon for the last three years. A raccoon that's been on my roof hissing at me. A raccoon that drags its babies through my yards. A raccoon that digs up my yard. A raccoon that lives under my office. Basically, the most evil animal on the planet is my nemesis. I don't need... A rodent guy more than once. I need him once to come out here and kill the thing. Come out here and cut off his, his little baby's heads and take it away because let's just put it this way. This, this, this thing's evil. It mocks me. It taps on my window while I sleep. So you're going to see disruption, a lot like you saw a disruption of retail stores in services. Another big prediction for the year, in my man, one of the greatest aspects of the web is a seemingly infinite number of choices it presents. That's a good thing if you know what you want. It's a horrible thing if you're trying to figure it out. So you're going to probably see more things along the lines of curators on the web to help you figure out smaller boutiques. like for instance. There's a website that I like enormously called fab.com. Fab.com curates great designed clothes, well-designed furniture, cool toys, and they present them on their website, fab.com. You're going to see more curators on the web next year. Going to give away some New Year's Eve tickets in the next break. Hopefully you'll stick around. Five pair of tickets given away. Aircraft carrier USS Hornet for New Year's Eve. Stick around. Rob Black and your money on the Wall Street Business Network. You
2: know NASDAQ is down a point. That's a Bloomberg Market Minute. Listening to Rob Black and your money on AM1220, KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. Welcome in, Rob
1: Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things, financial money, investing, and more. You're listening to Little Killers here. What's interesting to note about the killers is I will be hanging out with, so to speak, watching a concert live front row, VIP tickets, New Year's Eve. Thus. I'm going to have a pretty good New Year's Eve. If you want to have a free New Year's Eve aboard the aircraft carrier USS Hornet, it's a good place to dance, a good place to boogie. It's a kind of old swinging style event. Cha-cha, the swing. You can get on an aircraft carrier, which is probably the most masculine symbol I can imagine. Thus, your testosterone levels will be boosted. Thus, your enjoyment will be boosted. December 31st, New Year's Eve, aircraft carrier USS Hornet. I will tell you my New Year's Eve story. Call the show right now, 800-516-1220. Tell me a quick New Year's Eve story and you get two free tickets. 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. If you're too petrified to talk to me on air, I'll give you two tickets. 800-516-1220 Eight hundred five one six twelve twenty to get two free tickets to the aircraft carrier USS Hornet New Year's Eve, December thirty first in the Bay Area. Doors open at seven fifteen. I don't think there'll be a bouncy house there, but a bouncy house would be fun. But there will be a lot of dancing and, and partying and drinking and festivities. 800-516-1220. It's eight hundred five one six twelve twenty. These are not hard tickets. So Stocking stuffer won't apply. Winners will need to want to be there. They'll want to spend New Year's Eve with old people and hipsters and cool, fun things. 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220 to get your free ticks. Talk about some predictions for 2013. And one of the things I've said is we're going to get more curators. They're going to help us find cool things. Great example, that's fab.com. Another good example of that's education.com. Another good one is uh, education.com, for the record, will like order
3: workbooks for your kids.
1: I said there will be some service disruptors becoming more and more as the retail disruptors are already out there. Now we want some services as well. We'll see ten million become the new one million. We'll see a sixteen year old get funding for a great idea. And we're just starting to marketing become a ten billion dollar plus business. I think another thing that we're going to start to see is the freemium model. Freemium has become the accepted business in a lot of verticals. You download a game for free, but say you want an extra hero. You pay for that hero. Whether it's gaming, whether it's semiconductor components, whether it's clean technology, more verticals are gonna give away something for free and then charge you for something extra. For instance now, with a phone, if you get a get a Verizon phone, they give you free unlimited phone calls. But you have to pay for the data. Ah and you can't just get free phone calls. 800-516-1220. It's Let's talk dog. Actually, we don't have hey. a name here. Go ahead.
3: Hey, hey Rob. How you doing?
1: Hi. Good.
3: Happy holidays. I uh, love your show. Hey, I want to give you a funny story about New Year's Eve. Uh, a couple years back, the wife and the family and I <clears throat> were in Maui, and uh, we happened to come across Dog the Bounty Hunter and his entourage <clears throat> out and about in Maui. Uh, in Kanapali Village, and uh, actually had the pleasure of hanging out with the guy. Uh, I mean, it was just the most random place for the most random uh, meetup with that person, but really good guy, and the funny thing is the way he is on uh, television is the absolute way he is in person, down to the uh, leather vest without a T-shirt under, and mandala earrings and dream catchers on his ears and rooster feathers in his hair, so really cool guy, uh, Hopefully, never need to need, you know, really need to use him to bounty me out and bail me out. But, uh, you know, interesting story. Really, really cool to hang out with. And it's just, it's random, but it's just uh, one of those, you know, reflections of light. You never know who you're going to meet in your lifetime.
1: There you go. Thanks for the call. I don't know. My brush with greatness. Do I have a better brush with greatness than that? <clears throat> Harkening back to Dave Letterman, Dave Letterman used to have a brush with greatness segment. Let's see. Do I have any better brush with greatness? Nah, my my best one still has to go back to um, Jesse Jackson. When I sat next to him at a Prince concert, actually I had a whole row empty, and halfway through Prince, he comes in and sits down and starts dancing with his little entourage. So he misses half the show. Shows up late. He's sitting right next to me. I'm at Constitution Hall, which in Washington D.C. Prince, I'm probably the only Caucasian in the crowd, me my girlfriend and my uh, sister. So Jesse Jackson's sitting next to me, and, you know, I got, I, I'm always the smartass, so I, I go to him, loved you when you played for the Yankees,
2: and I go, Jesse, Jesse, Jesse.
1: There was a guy who played for the Yankees, Reggie Jackson, which those of you from Oakland probably know, the chat, Reggie, Reggie, Reggie. So Jesse Jackson looked at me like I was an idiot, which I basically kind of am, deservedly so. So if anyone else wants tickets to the New Year's Eve USS Hornet event in the Bay Area, 800 1220 It's 800 1220 All you got to do is call in, and uh, we'll get your name and information, and get those out to you. Business to business is going to become sexy again. That's my final prediction for 2013 as far as tech goes. The flashiness of Facebook and Groupon, consumer-facing companies, it's okay. But business-to-consumer is important. Business-to-business, sales automation, really important. There's been a lot of progress, and Salesforce was launched. If you look at Salesforce, it's not the prettiest user interface. You can kind of feel its age. More business-to-business relationships. I'm Rob Black. You listen to Rob Black and your money on the Wall Street Business Network.
2: and opinions expressed by rob black and his guests are not necessarily those of the wall street business network this station its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision insightful informative irreverent we're ready the wall street business network Twelve twenty. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. Welcome in,
1: it's Rob Black and your money I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money investing, and much much more. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. I pride myself in trying to get you to retirement. Slowly but surely, I know you're saying my name's not Shirley, don't call me Shirley. What's going to happen in 2013, it looks like our paychecks are going to be a little bit less to start off the year with, as we'll all be paying higher taxes, payroll taxes are going to go back up to where they were in previous years, unless something gets done on the fiscal cliff, will they or won't they? It's frustrating as all heck to watch this from a distance. All I'll say is it's going to get done by mid-January, late January. Something will get done. It'll be okay. There's a phrase that, that pays out on Wall Street. It's called the wall of worry. And it's there every single year. And you kind of have to go with it. You have to understand that there's always going to be a negative something out there. Looking at high price of oil. Looking at the low price of oil. Seriously, Wall Street can freak out one year because oil's too expensive. And the next year it's too cheap. One year we can look at. Is Spain going to go off the cliff, or not? Wall Street always has to climb a wall of worry. I find that interesting to note. It can, it's perpetual. It's defined as periodic tendency to surmount a host of negative factors and keep ascending. I think it's mostly tied towards Wall Street. I want to get you to retirement. This was probably one of the most shocking years in my life. That I learned a lot. Learned a lot about myself as a human. Learned a lot about myself in perspective of others. I met some really good people this year. You know, butterflies and rainbows don't ruin your day. But when you meet someone who's 28 years old, whose dad bought an investment property, a second investment property, a third investment property, all with capital tied towards his original mortgage that he lived to the home end. He goes bankrupt, and the housing market recovered. He didn't. He was too leveraged at the wrong time. That's trauma. And then her mother has a stroke and physically needs help to Get in and out of a car, physically needs help to get in and out of a restaurant, and you're like 28 years old. It's almost a blessing that my father passed away completely and died, that someone doesn't have to be taking care of him on a day-by-day basis. One of the things that I'll throw out on a regular basis is, hey, there's something called long-term care, and I think you should buy it, especially for a woman, This woman is 28. She's now in the position of being a caregiver instead of a position of, I need to find a husband. I know it's not politically correct to say that that's a little bit of baggage. You meet a wonderful 28-year-old woman and then you learn about her mom, but it is a little bit of baggage. And her dad's gone bankrupt, so you know that the two of them are going to be struggling in poverty in their later years. So, the grandparents are going to be poor, which is fine. It's okay. You know, that's not the biggest, but it's another piece of baggage, right? I want to get you to the point that you don't do stuff like that. You know, I I see the hot real estate market right now. I'm part of it. There's no better way to invest in real estate than to own a publicly traded stock and not a, a 30 year mortgage. The mistake that this person's dad did was he went out and bought mortgages. You don't really buy a house as much as you buy a mortgage. It's an odd concept, but you have to pay that mortgage on a monthly basis. If you go out and buy a ticker symbol CLGX, you just bought real estate. You just got 100 shares of it. You don't owe any more money. You're done. You don't have to hope that someone else comes in and invests. I own a million-dollar home, Right. I have to hope someone has a lot of money to buy my house, and they do. Properties are flipping like crazy. And my house is up 20% in the last three years. I know that. That's a pretty good investment, better investment in Wall Street in the last three years. So I can't tell you enough... That some people just make massive mistakes. Real, real good mortgage play is CoreLogic, ticker symbol CLGX. There's some REITs, equity office properties, if you want to own real estate tied towards business properties. There's REITs tied towards apartments. There's REITs tied towards mortgages, like annually mortgage. It's like a symbol N-L-Y. Not necessarily recommending you do anything, especially if you don't know how. I would not recommend that you do necessarily anything, especially if you don't know about like dividends and dividend dates. But right now, the real estate market is on fire. Condo projects, they're gaining FHA project approvals. Prices go higher. It's very easy to find underpriced units. It's seeing triple-digit returns. So consult a broker advisor before taking any action on anything that I've mentioned. But had this girl's father gone out and bought publicly traded stocks that showed their exposure to real estate, he wouldn't have gone bankrupt, and he wouldn't have been a burden to his family. He's a burden to his family now. He could be the nicest guy in the world, but he's a burden to his family. So this was an interesting year for me. I learned a lot. Sometimes I, I feel like I'm in a bubble. Sometimes I'm, I'm kind of immune to shock. Because I live well. I once started my own business. I once struggled. I once One year, I paid no income taxes because I didn't make any revenue. I mean, I've been there. So hopefully you have a good plan for 2013. Back to this girl's mother who's had a stroke. She's going to need care for the rest of her life. Had she had long-term care, some of that care would have been paid for. But now it falls on the family, the church, the community. The nonprofits profits aren't non-profit in the case of taking care of people. Get your calls in there. It's 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. You're listening to me, Rob Black, talking all things financial. Don't be shy. Pick up the phone. Give me a call. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. I'll throw out some predictions. I'll throw out some ideas. I'll throw out some investment concepts. Not a lot of business news today. It's just it's kind of that end-of-the-year feel to it. you listen to me, Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investment, on the Wall Street Business Network.
2: You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM twelve twenty KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. Excuse me.
1: How you doing today? Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money invested in more. Uh, I got an email that I want to share with you because I think it's interesting. I think it's actually kind of fascinating. You can email me, Rob, at I'm young, 27. I make a large income, 250000 Other than a $20,000 loan on a $60,000 car and my mortgage, I have no debt. I maxed out my 401k. I have my newborn daughter's college pretty much so taken care of as long as I invest it properly. He has a 529 plan invested in ETFs with more diversification as time goes on. Last year, he says he bought a 120-year-old Victorian house at close to the bottom of the market. Previous owners beautifully restored the first floor, exterior, and structure. I took advantage of my income, my youth, to restore every room upstairs myself. I spent close to $40,000 on renovations and improvements. One selling point about the house is there's 1,000 square foot of space upstairs that's empty. No floors. No walls, no plumbing, no electrical, but I have yet to do anything with. So adding 1,000 square feet to his house would bring the house up to 3,700 square feet. That's a big damn house. So if my contractor quoted $15,000 to frame the walls, put in the floor, put in electrical and plumbing, I'd do everything else. The estimate, which $15,000 for 1,000 square feet, is steel. The rest is easy to do himself. It's gonna cost twenty to thirty thousand, he thinks. So now it's only the it costs thirty five thousand to forty five thousand to add a floor of a thousand square feet. Still a steal. He bought the house for six hundred sixty thousand with twenty seven hundred square feet, so to add another thousand square feet, he thinks it's gonna add at least two hundred thousand dollars for over what he paid for it. He said there are other Victorians of similar size and lesser levels of restoration going for about a million dollars. My plan was when I bought the house, I was never to live my entire life in it. I wanted to add value, wait for the market to go back up, sell it high, and then downsize. I hear you all the time talking about a house as an investment, how you should never send an extra mortgage payment, and he's starting to second-guess himself. Here's a case where he shouldn't second-guess himself. He's absolutely right. Here's a case where he's doing a side business. He knows he's going to get out of the house. So there's no sense in sending in extra mortgage payments. He knows that he's going to add a 1,000 square feet, which adds value. The best addition you could do to your home is to add square footage. People buy based on square footage. 1,400 square foot house a lot less attractive than a 1,600-square-foot house. Now, I'm not sure, and again, I don't know everything about everything, so I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not sure a 3,700-square-foot Victorian is that much different than a 2,700-square-foot Victorian. I mean, that's a lot of living space. I'm not saying don't do it. I'm saying I, I, I don't know. But... I say don't send in extra mortgage payments in the house you live in. There's no sense in it. That money doesn't work for you. It doesn't earn income. That money does nothing for you. So my advice to you is more along the lines of this is a business. This is a, he has set himself up and his family to live in a beautiful home while he restores it. His goal is to ultimately sell it. Hopefully he picked the right city and the right neighborhood because a Victorian house in Stockton's not as quite as unique or cute as a Victorian house in San Francisco or Oakland, or you know you name the perfect neighborhood I see, I don't even know where he's from; he could be from Charlotte, North Carolina. I'm kind of a big deal. I've got one of the top podcasts in the nation for business, so who knows where he's from um Keep in mind, hopefully you bought in the right neighborhood. Like, for instance, a Victorian in Palo Alto, I'd sell my soul for. Because I know there's always going to be some venture capitalist that wants to show off. So I know there's always going to be a buyer, potential buyer. A million-dollar house means you have to have $200,000 to put down on it. And then you get something like a jumbo mortgage. And your payment somewhere between four thousand and seven thousand dollars. Your property taxes are high. A lot of people can't afford that. You know, when you're paying six, 000, seven thousand dollars a month, if you're looking at something along the lines of what ninety thousand dollars a year. Average American makes like fifty. So. You're not going to be selling it to a lot of people. You're going to be selling it to very few. You need to know that, like, hey, a lawyer might want my house, a venture capitalist might want my house, a doctor might want my house. Just so kind of know that, right? And you should be okay. You get your calls in there. It's 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. Anything you want to talk about today? We could talk about. It could be anything. Are you saving enough for retirement? How about a low-price stock idea? How about end-of-the-year tax moves? Sometimes saving money (laughs) and investing is all people focus in on, but not paying taxes is just as important. No matter what Congress does, Next year, feed your 401k this year. Make sure you've maxed it out. $17,000 this year. Workers over 50 can do $22,500. Do it. When you file your tax return, the amount of tax you from your paycheck or submitted through estimated quarterly tax payments ideally should match the amount of tax you owe. So make sure that you're not owing the federal government a lot of money at the end of the year. So, if you got a $3,000 rebate check last year, try to withhold $250 more to yourself versus withholding it for the IRS. Try not to get penalties. I, 2012, you know, 90% of this tax year's bill, as long as you prepay 90%, you're off the hook for any penalty. If you pay 100% of last year's tax liability, note that if your 2011 adjusted gross income topped $150,000, you will have to prepay 110% of last year's tax liability. So try to avoid penalties on your taxes. Another thing you can do to better yourself for next year is make sure that you're improving your income as much as possible. You can find me on Twitter, Rob Black Show, Facebook group page, I Hate Rob Black, YouTube, Rob Black Show. Don't be shy, 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. You're listening
2: to me, Rob Black, on the Wall Street Business Network. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station.
1: Welcome back again, Rob Black and Your Money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Don't be shy, call the show. I do appreciate, actually, when you do that. makes my life all that much easier. Let's go to Joe in San Francisco.
3: Yeah, uh, Rob, um, I heard about a a real estate investment trust called uh, National Health Investors. I heard on that show that comes on right before your show, if 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 I can mention his name, is that okay if I mention his name? Sure. His name is uh, Gunnison. Okay. Okay, and uh, do you know anything about this? It, has, it allegedly has a 4.8% dividend yield, and the uh, chart of it looks really good. And so do you know anything about it?
1: I'll talk a little bit about it for sure. Thanks for the call. First and foremost, know that a lot of radio is trying to get you as a client. A lot of television is trying to get you as a client. So be cautious with how you approach Advice from anyone. Having a radio show doesn't mean you're smart or good. It means that in most cases that you pay to play. It's typically an infomercial type business model. And again, that's not bad. It's just it is what it is. It's important that you know what you're up against. I count on no one to be my Buddha on the mountain. I count on no one to give me financial picks. Always use it as a second uh, opinion and or maybe use it as a starting point. National Health Investors, ticker symbol NHI. It's had a big run. So in the last 52 weeks, it's gone from $45 to $57. So just doing some quick math, it tells you it's up 30% roughly. So you're chasing performance unless you own it. I know nothing about the guy before me. Nothing. I can tell you I prefer publicly traded REITs to privately traded REITs. This is a publicly traded REIT. I could tell you past performance is not indicative of future results, so be careful on quote-unquote stock picks. This is a company that invests primarily in healthcare facilities. So real estate investment trust can invest in a lot of things. It can invest in malls. It can invest in retail stores. It can invest in apartments. It could invest in single-family homes. It could invest in mortgages. It could invest, in this case, in health care facilities. Thanks for the call. They've done 83 long-term care facilities. They're investing in 123 health care facilities overall, one acute care hospital, four medical office buildings, 14 assisted living facilities, four retirement centers. So they pay 90% of their income out through taxable, 90% of their taxable income out to you, the shareholders. Um, It's a good company, a good name. I wouldn't look for the short term because short term it's already been a huge winner. But this is the exact type of thing that you're looking to get into. Because they have to pay 90% of their profits out. Uh, they're not paying income taxes, and that's pretty attractive. I hope you see that, and I hope you get that. Um, I like publicly traded REITs. I would be very, 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 very cautious, though, chasing performance, especially when you hear about stuff on radio and television. You know, when I went on CNBC a couple of years ago, they said, what are some stock picks? And I was like, I got some ideas for you. And I throw them down, and they're like, you got anything sexier? You got anything in tech? Because tech was working so well. I'm like, eh. We're, ch- we're talking about chasing performance. And they're like, yeah, but that's what's working now. I'd rather cut my risk by buying last year's laggards than this year's winners. Now, if you're chasing performance, that's a different thing. But if you're cutting risk, you see what I'm trying to say? Reach typically yield about 2 to 6% because they're not paying taxes. And it tells you that basically most businesses in the world can't really generate more than 10% income growth on a consistent basis once they get big. So there's some lessons inside of this. Let's talk about some other issues. Stock market has enjoyed some better-than-expected results from Oracle, FedEx, and General Mills this morning. Johnson Controls lifts expectations for next year. General Motors is purchasing 200 million shares from the Treasury. The U.S. Treasury will have about 300 million shares that they want to get rid of after that. So General Motors becoming less government-owned, government motors. Today, you got a better-than-expected business climate reading out of Germany you got the World Bank raising its 2013 GDP forecast for China. Strength in foreign markets. You know, this market's clearly overbought in the short term. But that doesn't mean it doesn't go higher. Because a lot of people are freaked out about the fiscal cliff, which we're starting to see there's going to be something that happens. There's going got to be a deal that happens. We're not just going to, you know, say, okay, if there's no fiscal cliff deal, people stop getting unemployment checks. What do you think the likelihood of that's going to happen in America? Seriously. What do you think the likelihood of people not getting employment, unemployment checks? I'd say slim to none. Oh, other things that we could talk about this morning. I don't want to. Ta- I just don't want to do taxes anymore. I'm looking at the end of the year stories, and taxes keep cropping up everywhere. I feel like I've beaten it to death. Eight hundred five one six twelve twenty to get your calls in the air. It's eight hundred five one six twelve twenty to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about? We can talk about. <laughs> there were some gift packages that were going to the U.S. troops that were stolen by thieves. That's not good. Let's talk a little bit. Um, CEO of Martha Stewart. It's over. Martha Stewart, living Omnimedia media, announced that its CEO is stepping down after less than a year on the job. Stocks have multi year lows. Gersh was hired in May 2011 as president CEO, and she replaced Charles Kopelman as CEO in July 2012. Martha Stewart's got a big problem on its hand. It's a publicly traded company, it's a small MSO. It's in a lot of old businesses like magazines, which, who reads magazines anymore? I was with a friend this year, and she's like, no courts, no courts. Less clutter, less clutter. What she wanted for her birthday was a Kindle fire. She wants to read, or a Kindle rather. She wants all of her publications to be wireless, to be less cluttery. I like that. So Martha Stewart, as a company, has got this, it's got a food magazine, it's got a standalone publication. It's got a lot of old product, right? And they also have a YouTube channel and a daily video newsletter. But the point being is that, you know, it struck a deal with JCPenney's stuff's mini shops last year. Macy's is challenging it. Declining values in its publishing business and a drop in ad revenue is killing the company. Plus, Martha Stewart's getting older. I'm not saying she's lost her relevancy, But maybe a little bit, right? That's a company I wouldn't want to own the stock on. A couple companies I do want to own the stock on. I'll be honest with you. I like dividends. I cannot lie. I'm a dividend guy. I love Chevron. I own Chevron. They do petroleum. They do chemicals. They do mining. They do power generation. They do energy operations. They've raised distributions for 25 straight years. The company managed to boost dividends at an average rate of 8.8% over the past decade each year. You know, it's only yielded 3.1%, but it's also got a low valuation. Do I think it's perfect? No. I don't think any stock's perfect. Another stock that you could look at is enterprise products. EPP, tick symbol is EPD. They do energy services to producers and consumers from natural gas, natural gas liquids, crude oil refined products. It's raised its dividends for 15 straight years. Again, past performance not indicative of future results. McDonald's is a stock I still like for the dividend, not necessarily for the growth, but for the dividend. <clears throat> You've gotten a lot of growth out of the stock. but the dividends lovely. They're in the United States, they're in Europe, they're in Asia, Middle East, Africa. They've raised their distribution for 35 years in a row. Over the past decade, the company's managed to boost dividends at an average rate of 27% per year. It yields about 3.4% right now. It's expensive, the stock, so don't buy it thinking like, woohoo, I'm going to make millions. You're not. You're going to do okay. You're listening to me, Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Rob Black and Your Money on the Wall Street Business Network. You can find me on YouTube channel, Rob Black Show. Facebook group page, I Hate Rob Black, and Twitter, Rob Black Show.
2: You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station.
1: Welcome back in, Ron Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and much, much more. Anything that you want to talk about, talk about. Do you believe in Wall Street? Do you not believe in Wall Street? I don't think you have any option but to believe in Wall Street. Historically, it's given you the best rate of returns. It's beaten... R- real estate handedly. When you take a look at how much money you have to put into a mortgage every month, we put that same amount of money into the stock market in a diversified portfolio. You end up with 400% more over 30 years in the stock market versus in real estate. I own a home. I own a rental property. Get this. I got an email today from... uh, property management company that says, yeah, your your tenant can't reach the lights above the stairs, so she wants to know if we can come do it for her and charge you 50 bucks. I'm like, did you just ask me, can you charge me 50 bucks to put in a light bulb? I'm like, why don't you ask the tenant if there's some other things you can do while you're there? But I'm not going to go do it. I don't want her to do it. I'd rather have some redneck with a ladder do it, if you know what I'm saying, <laughs> because uh, she falls off, sues me. Uh-uh. So I'm not flying all the way to Raleigh, North Carolina to change a light bulb. But real estate's a liability, and a lot of people don't see that, and a lot of people see only what they want to see. I got a guy, an email from a guy who's basically, he's like, my friend's wife is beating him up. She thinks real estate's the best investment, so He's going to sell his 401k and put it in real estate. I'm like, your friend's wife needs to be divorced immediately. He needs to get away from her as fast as possible. Stocks versus real estate. It's not even close. If you ever start thinking about it, it'll make sense to you. Real estate needs what? It needs jobs to do well. I have an article from 2006, right before the housing market crash. It was printed in the New York Times. Simple price inflation is what causes people to do well in real estate. And they think that it's the best investment they've ever made, but it's not. In 35 years, there was a family that in 1970 had bought a house for $110,000. They sold it for $900,000. you are like, that's amazing. It ended up making an inflation-adjusted profit of less than 10% over 35 years, whereas the stock market during that same period of time, up 200-plus percent. So, if you keep investing on a regular basis, you would have had a much better return in the stock market during that period of time. See, a lot of people forget that they put money in their mortgage every month. They forget that you lose 2 to 4% of everything that you prepay into a mortgage, in large part due to inflation the and the crumbling value of the dollar over time. The SP 500 has delivered a return of 10% a year on average since 1980. If you include dividends, that number rises to over twelve percent. If you look at real estate from New York to San Francisco from 1980 to 2005, the value had only risen seven percent a year during that same span. Twelve percent versus seven percent. Now, that's not saying real estate's a bad investment. You know, the biggest value of a house is is that it gives you shelter. Too many people are fixated on speculation, and they get crushed. You know the a nice thing about owning a home if you live in the home that you you own, you're paying rent to yourself. You get a nice tax deduction a walk in closet you'll never get that kind of money out of it. You know when home prices arise and the leverage from a mortgage people get enamored with. Put $100,000 to my a $500,000 home, you feel as if it doubled when it goes to $600,000. Like, woo! But the power of the leverage vanishes as the homeowner pays off that mortgage. Over time, you lose that value. Because now you're no longer, let's say you've got a $500,000 house, you've paid off $400,000. Now you're not getting that great appreciation that you used to get leverage. If the home goes down 10, 20, 30, 40%, like we've seen in the last five years, you probably go bankrupt on leverage. A lot of people are just ignorant on some of the simple mathematics of it. And that's okay. I totally understand that. Ignorance is bliss. Does it get to a million dollars? You need to save $100,000. How do you save $100,000? You work really hard. You have the right mindset. You create short-term goals. You take money every day, change, and you save it. You save on taxes with your 401K. With your 401K, you're putting pre-tax money in. You're saving almost a dollar. When you have a dollar in your hand and you go out and buy real estate, it's really only like $0.60 because you've already paid taxes on it. So take advantage of all the benefits you can. Keep costs low. Generate additional income. Pay off all debt over 8%. And then once you get to 100000 that's when that, that leverage starts working for you. When you get 8% market returns, you just made $8,000 for doing nothing on 100000 and the next year you make $8,800 for doing nothing. Your money makes money. Your 8000 you made this year makes 800 next year. Sweet. Oh, that's about all I got for you today. You can find me online, robblack.com, robblack.com, YouTube channel, Rob Black Show, Twitter, show, Rob Black Show. Take a break here because it's Rob Black and your money, the Wall Street business. No.